And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 279, aka Year 6, Week 29. Coming at you this week, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC Chaos. Hello, gentlemen. And as you know, this is your weekly call-in show. So those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So what is going on with you guys this week? I know there's a few things that was on the table for discussion. crickets (laughs) crickets <laughs> it better not be talking cr- about we did so much prep work before the show to figure out how we were going to run run this thing i will run it down okay tiktok uh we talked about tiktok last week um and basically my question at that time was uh where did the president get the power to force ownership of an organization from a chinese company to an american company and there were crickets on that one um but ks you have a new perspective to bring to that story which apparently is still ongoing because I don't know who owns it or what they're doing or has it been banned. Um, I double checked yesterday after the, I read the article that said TikTok is banned. Um, I, I can still log in. I don't follow anybody, but I, you know, one of those things with new with with new tech man. I, they go like, "Here's the newest, biggest thing," and I go, "Okay, I download it," and then I end up back on Facebook. So what's the um, what's the new perspective or what's the new news uh, with the the whole TikTok ban in the United States? Well, it, it just seems like one more way that the government has chosen to protect us from ourselves. In other words, we might use that service, um, so therefore we're not allowed to because the government has decided that uh, the Chinese government is using information from that uh, from that service. Well, that was the same argument that the Chinese government gave when they cut off Google and Facebook and YouTube, and everybody criticized them, saying, you don't even trust your own population. And the Chinese government said, "Well, now for national security reasons, we can't allow these these intrusions into the into the Chinese market." Well, the same thing is going on here. In other words, rather than letting uh, consumers know what is happening with their information and letting them decide whether they want uh, that to be used in order to be able to u- utilize the service, um, the government is just saying, "No, you're not allowed to." And I, in a way, I have that same problem with people were complaining. The government said, well, we're going to put up trade barriers against China because they're stealing um, ideas of you know, what is considered intellectual property rights uh, when businesses go to China and, and business, uh, do business there and their ideas are used by other Chinese companies or in other ways that maybe without permission. It's no surprise to companies that that happens. And to, in my opinion, if if you don't want the Chinese uh, government or Chinese companies to steal your stuff, you don't do business with them. You don't just go there in the first place. Um, and it seems to me that this is the the same kind of thing. Uh, the government's protecting us from decisions that we might make on our own. Now, you say that the government is protecting us from decisions we might make on our own. Um, TikTok is typically utilized by younger members of the citizenry, the population, uh, who may not be privy to international uh, relationships and have no problem using TikTok because it serves their own personal interest uh, in, insofar as 
they get to watch funny videos of their of their friends and and people they follow doing weird stuff, which has nothing to do with uh, China or the like. Uh, but if in doing so, the Chinese government are stealing data and stealing secrets from their phone, uh, maybe because they're not aware of that world, uh, they need to be protected. What do you what do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, young people are actually much more savvy than older people about how how this stuff works and what it's being used for and how they're being manipulated. I I think that they're not naive about that sort of stuff. I think older people are much more likely to be naive. I'm likely to be more naive than than my daughter about how this stuff is being used. Um and uh, I I think it's very helpful for all sources of information to come out explaining to people uh, how this information is being used, but then that still should be up to the individual user, not the government to protect us from that. I mean, look at how you could extend that. How does the government manipulate and uh, use our information uh, on their own? I mean, clearly uh, Edward Snowden and the, and the whole NSA have been uh, uh, battling out the whole, question of how much we could rely on our own government to um with all the information they gather about us and so on well let's let's bring up edward snowden real quick because wasn't one of his uh regrets for lack of a better term that he gave us all this information he showed us what was going on um he went through all that trouble he's you know basically banished from his own country and the general population doesn't care and continued on uh, regardless of his warnings, right? And he was like, well, I, I might not have gone through all this trouble if I knew you guys didn't care. So the American well, people have made the choice, right? That we don't care about state secrets. Have all the information you want. Um, and so maybe if, you know, if the Chinese want the information and the United States doesn't want them to get it, it's best to not leave it up to the population to decide because they don't care. Well, the population isn't a collective mind where it's all, uh, you know, when he, you say, oh, you don't care, that's talking about the country as a collective. Um, you can choose whether you care or not by uh, disconnecting from it. You don't have to use Facebook and YouTube and Google and and uh, these things if you don't want the connection. Uh, but if you don't feel that information about you is uh, a threat personally, um, then you use it. Uh, people do are weighing these risks in their own mind. What are the benefits versus the, the, the potential costs? Maybe they make the judgments badly, but they make that judgments all the time badly in, in elections. It, but that that's life. You know, there's... Ah, um, uh, KS, but we're not talking about just personal risk. It's not like the Chinese government is going to get the information from John Smith down the road off of his TikTok account and only use that to attack John Smith down the road. Uh, they're going to get John Smith's information collected with you know millions of other TikTok users and use that collectively against the entire country. So individuals are putting their entire country at risk uh, by using this technology willy-nilly. Uh, maybe I don't see uh, how that it is uh, yet. So, um, I, I'm not afraid enough to disconnect from the internet myself. I don't use TikTok. I don't. Um, I don't use WeChat anymore. I have it, but I don't use it uh, since I 
have been warned about the cautions uh, with regard to the Chinese government. And I don't need to. I mean, there's so many different sources you can use for your information and and your um, social media interaction. Should we Pick get you choose. set up with the TikTok just to protest this? No, just, no? I, okay. I, no, it's not my... <laughs> Uh, it's not I'm bag. just making an intellectual statement about it, but it doesn't mean that I want to be uh, party a party to it. Ah, but if you could make that intellectual statement on the platform and get that out to millions of people who may not have heard that that position or that information, right? If if the young people are on TikTok and moving away from Facebook, you know, if 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 our goal is to get the message across, uh, do we not move where the masses are to 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 speak to them directly? Well, you have to pick and choose your your issues. I I'm not uh, an expert at those things, and I don't want to uh, try and get into battles with uh, people who are expert at it. I'm just expressing an opinion sure. about what seems to be uh, an infringement on personal rights and liberties. But I, it's not my not my battle. I have other battles that are more interesting to me. Do you think, like Huawei, this is going to spark TikTok's growth? Um, because Huawei, you know, the, the, the phone company that was like banned in the United States for pretty much the same reason, because they were allegedly um, collecting user data and selling it back or, or giving it to the Chinese government, um, is now the number one phone manufacturer in the world, right? Like, you know, with, without a U.S. market, they have their, they beat Apple, they beat Samsung uh, in, a, in a more recent report, and they're number one. Um, do you think it's possible that that TikTok benefits from that as well, like the the anti-Trump hatred pushes it forward uh, to make it one of the most used social platforms out there. Is that possible? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You also mentioned the the Google aspect of it. One of the things that I think I wanted to uh, separate out from the whole Google, um, the Google in China or the Facebook in China and the TikTok in the United States was that um, those companies, Facebook and Google, eventually kowtowed to the Chinese government and agreed to alter their service in China uh, to comply with Chinese law or Chinese mandates or whatever you want to call it there. Uh, could TikTok have done the same thing, right? Could they just have said like, no, no, we're a Chinese company in the United States, but we've agreed not to do the certain bad things that the United States government doesn't want us to do. Would that have been sufficient uh, to, to get you know, get the president I, off their ass. I'm not sure that's that Google and Facebook have done that. I mean, I've been to China and couldn't access Google and Facebook and YouTube from China. You, I mean, you have to use a VPN. Uh, you can get around the firewall, but now then that became more restricted as well. Uh, so I'm not sure that they really did kowtow uh, to the Chinese government's every wish. Um, and interesting, because I thought yeah. I thought Google in China was just uh, filtered. Right. Like you don't if you go to if you go to Chinese Google, you don't get the same results as you would if you went to Google proper in China. Not that the entire service was inaccessible. Um, I'm not all that experienced at it, but I couldn't get my Gmail. There OK, well, maybe that. maybe yeah. just email. MC, do you know do you have any more information like on how uh, Google operates in China, perhaps? Nope. Sorry. Nope. OK, that's OK. I just again, I don't always have the answers. That's fine. I don't always know. Um, but TikTok itself, people should be able to use the service, even if it puts the entire country in danger, because freedom, baby. Is that what is that what we settled on? Uh, no. 
No? Oh, okay. Go on then. Please, why shouldn't we use TikTok and put the whole country in danger? Uh, I don't I don't think it's been established that the whole country would be in danger. What well, that's the that's the excuse that they give. Well, right? I don't care about TikTok. their excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but we should be free to but use TikTok. National security is in danger because of COVID. You know, it's like I'll prove it. <laughs> you know? I'm tired. I'm tired of all the, the 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 pussies claiming that that the world is ending. It's it's like e- even the military. You know, like there was a ship that caught COVID and and it, it spread throughout the whole ship, and sixty uh, percent of the people were were unaffected, and uh, like like one person died on the ship or two, and 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 uh, and, and so that was that, to you know to them that was like putting the nation at risk. And well, yeah, if 40% I, I of your see it, the fighters opposite. can't fight. I, well, well, that's not having... the point. It's it's only two weeks, though. So what I, I, I like uh, George Washington's uh, response to uh, what was going around at the time, like syphilis or something. I can't remember. But anyway, he, he exposed everybody to a small amount of the virus, and most of the people survived and were able to fight. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've, I've known some... Uh, uh, soldiers who tested uh, positive for COVID-19 and they didn't experience really any of the symptoms of it. They, they had a test that gave them positive reaction and, and maybe they get uh, sick or, you know, uh, had the flu. But my guess is that of all those soldiers or sailors on the, on the ship who tested positive for COVID-19, they were still functionable. You know, they, could still function and do their job, uh, even if they're sick. And then, and that's that's not something new. I mean, they all the time. I'm guessing that submarines and naval vessels have have so protocols for handling an outbreak of some kind of disease on board. But if you really wanted to be secure and have the strongest military, then you would want everybody to have had it, and so then you would know. <laughs> This is how many people we have left after the <laughs> devastating COVID mess that's going around. And then if, if you know, if, if uh, 2% of the entire military died, oh no, you know, terrible, um, they could hire the, you know, another 2% and then be back at a hundred percent. But what we have now is a situation where they're, they're so afraid of getting COVID that they, that they're, you know, running and hiding just like everybody else. And if it does, you know, ha- have an outbreak and it does spread through the military population, uh, you know, just like it does everywhere else, uh, then it could hit us unexpectedly. And th- that's worse than doing it intentionally. Okay. Go on. That's it. I'm, uh, okay. I'm tired. I'm tired of the, 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 you know, everybody being afraid, you know, up to including uh, the greatest military in the world. You know, it's just like, just, just stop it. <laughs> so have you gone out there? Have you purposely tried to infect yourself so you can get it, get over it and move on with life? Um, I think I would if I knew somebody who had it. Okay. But would, would you get the mandatory vaccine when, cause that no. seems to be right around the corner as well. No, I'd rather have the disease. What about you, KS? Disease or vaccine? <laughs> I, 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 I do the flu vaccine every every uh, year. I I hate getting the flu. It's a miserable experience. So, yeah, and I'm not afraid of that either. You know, 
Not afraid of the vaccine or not That's afraid right. of the flu? Okay. I'm more afraid of the flu than I am of the vaccine. Okay. <laughs> what about this rush to market un, untested COVID vaccine though? Because Russia claims to have one and then we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think there, I, I would want to consult the experts in the field on this, people that I trust. Uh, one is Mary Ruert and her book, Death by Government, Death by Regulation, um, that uh, reveals that the U.S. government, by its protect and protection of the U.S. population from all possible things that could go wrong from medicines, they've been responsible for 15 million deaths of Americans unnecessarily because they've been prohibited from having access to medicines that have treated in uh, people all around the world uh, very, very well. And then they have the, I think the evidence can be shown very, very strong, strongly that if people get uh, uh, heart disease or, or various ailments uh, that the, these uh, remedies that are available in other countries have a cure rate that isn't available in the United States. If you want it, you have to go outside the country and not so many people will afford to do that. <clears throat> so I'd say, I'd say that by and large, the FDA in the effort to protect us from all possible harm, these testing and, and uh, things, you have to consult with your own um, uh, advisors on which you can trust and which you can't. And that you, uh, really are having the FDA, the government itself rule whether or not something is safe and effective is, is not the end all in the word about safety. Let's dig a little deeper into this COVID vaccine debate then, uh, because this is one of those situations where you would think uh, libertarians would be excited, right? Because they're going to rush this vaccine to market um, it's not going to go through the rigors of testing um, and through that normal FDA channel process that takes year upon year or decades to get uh, to get verified and, and passed um, because it's so pervasive that there's no time for that. We must get it. We must briefly test it. And then if three people survive three tests, boom, straight to market. Eh, shouldn't we champion that then? Well, you remember that uh, HIV or AIDS was uh, a, a very deadly disease and there were all kinds of government barriers to any kind of treatment that would be allowed to save people's lives. And fortunately, people just circumvented uh, to save their own lives, which they have a right to do. Um, and maybe they succeeded, maybe they didn't succeed, but that was their, their choice and their right to do because they're weighing their own risk. Finally, people... Uh, in government, were persuaded to uh, allow the, the you know the the advance of some medicines and drugs that were saving people's lives, and um, they got out of the way. I mean, the maybe not so many people. F I think people in the gay community felt it was a very very big issue to them because the chances of and the risk was much greater. The people in the hetero uh, community. Um, weren't as worried about it because they didn't think it would affect them as much. Uh, but uh, the same point applies here. Whether you know whether you're an old person, you you could say, well, you're much more at risk than a, than a young person. Any kind of disease is going to affect some people in greater percentages than others. 
And uh, those judgments have to be weighed by the person themselves, you know, not by the government. Sure. And their and the advisors that they choose. I mean, I'm not saying just go out and take any snake oil that's um, peddled out there on the on the street corner. I'm saying you pick out your advisors, your trusted advisors that you have reason to believe they uh, they are uh, smart enough to make judgments about a, a field that you're not so familiar with yourself. And then you you take those risks. I mean, even when I take a, a flu vaccine, I know that there's certain certain risk. I mean, every everything you do, I'm, uh, you go in for surgery. There's a certain risk you might not come out of it, but the percentage chance you have to weigh that against all the ailments and the troubles that you're going to have by not going through the procedure. I am generally with you, uh, which is why again I think we should be championing this. Right? If if you want to produce a vaccine. Bring it straight to market, and we'll see what happens, right? Um, I think from the consumer perspective, it's going to be tough to find a trusted source that can vet the information uh, because testing the vaccine has been so minimal and the issue itself has been so politicized that how do you know you can trust your doctor because he's your doctor and he's not giving you information based on his unspoken uh, political position. It's going to be rough when this, when this, when the vaccine first hits market. Don't you think? Yeah, life is filled with uncertainties about information, about judgment. You know, but um, we know that the government is flawed in its judgments. So, yeah. so why in this case would we would we say that? Well, you would trust them without question. Well, I'm not no, saying I you trust them without question. I'm saying that they're yeah. basically getting out of the way on this one. They're, do, they're doing what we would have advocated for uh, by rushing the vaccine to market, mostly untested, right? It's not going to go through the same process every other drug that, need, that comes to market has to go through because COVID is such a unique phenomenon and the vaccine, when it's available, will just hit the streets. No, no need for extensive testing. Does it work? Are you cured? Boom, right to market. No need to trust the government on this one because they're not, they're not going to be, they're not going to be putting it through the rigors of all the other, you know, you mentioned the age drugs, right? That could have taken decades to get to market. Not going to happen in this case. Well, okay. You, you, you're saying no testing. That's, that's not exactly the case either. I'm sure that, uh, that it, a vaccine comes to the fore and to the attention of everybody as a possible cure because of the scrutiny that it, that it has received to, but it's not 10 years worth of, of testing. A yeah. lot of these drugs are very, very much discouraged because they're very expensive to do all the testing and to go all, through all the hoops that are necessary over a long period of time. That's great for uh, major drug companies that can afford that, but it is uh, uh, often stands in the way of, of um, the, the, uh, minor drugs for minor ailments and, and all kinds of, um, um, well, non, non-established, uh, routes to cures. Okay. So you think that when the, when the COVID vaccine, uh, whether it's the Russian one that they claim to have or whatever one the United States is working on, if that comes to market within the next few months, say, uh, you 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 will be of the position that it has gone through all the medical rigors required to bring a vaccine to market, well, regardless of what the FDA says. Yeah, I actually I would I would uh, 
probably give great credence at that time with the information available at that time to what MC says because he studies <laughs> this stuff and has a lot more knowledge and expertise yeah. I about it than I, I do. And I and I think that is a good point that you have to find somebody that you trust that that uh, yeah that to help you make decisions. And and I mean, like I said, from my perspective, I'm in a different camp. I'm I'm in the just give me the disease, I'll fight it, and then I'll be protected against the next version that comes around, because uh, there there probably will be one. You know, just, sure. It's kind of like the flu. The flu goes around, and, and uh, you know, I it's haven't had mutated. The flu. I haven't had the flu in years, and maybe it's because of the supplements I've been taking, and uh, maybe not. I don't know, okay. but I'm sure I've been exposed to it. I mean, yeah. it's it's almost impossible to avoid. Well, so I'll ask, I'll try to phrase the question similarly to how I phrase it for KS. Uh, if the vaccine comes to market in relative, in a relatively short amount of time, right? Like, you know, w within the next few months, not 2025, and they finally get the vaccine going, because by that time, sure, it's probably been tested. But if they get the vaccine out in the next few months, do, would you put, would you put your faith in that pharmaceutical company? to have done all the testing and going through all the rigors of testing as they would any other vaccine uh, that doesn't get released to market as quickly. Like, do you think that can be done in a short order is my question um, safely? I don't know. And I don't care. So I'm, I'm probably not even going to study what they're studying and okay. stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's not something I'm concerned about. Okay. KS, you might have to find a new expert when that thing comes out then, because he's not going to be doing any research on it. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what my judgment will be at the time. Sure. But I can tell you right now that I believe you should be free to make that judgment for yourself. That's the issue. Not whether or not I think it's safe, but whether or not you should be allowed to make that judgment for yourself. Yeah. And again, my, my, my position now is I think it's going to be difficult for anybody at that time to make a rational judgment call on it um, because the issue is so politicized. I don't know how you can, I don't <laughs> know that, how. And that might be what it comes down to. If, if a Democrat says, oh, you should take this vaccine, then all the Democrats are going to be like, yeah. And if Trump says you should take that vaccine, uh, they're going to say, <laughs> they're going to say, no. <laughs> right. So, so true. So true. Then how do you know? How does the average consumer, right, make a judgment call on something that's either potentially lethal or could save their life, right? It's a weird spot. It's a weird spot for medicine to be. Can and we if, at least agree and, on that? And if they and if Trump says, "Oh, we've got a vaccine; it probably works," uh, then the then the the pharmaceutical company will will lace it with something and make it uh, an, an inferior, dangerous product, and a whole bunch of people will die from it, and then Trump will lose. Entirely possible. <laughs> how's how's that for a conspiracy theory? <laughs> Entirely possible, considering the current vaccine is from Russia. Right, all the all the talk about you know the Russians screw, uh, throwing the election and the the Russians infiltrating, and now who's got the cure? The Russians, totally political, totally politicized, uh, when it ought not be. And I don't I don't know how you make the decision uh, at either now or at the time um, when your health is on the line. Right, I've got I've got anti-vax friends who go like, never will I ever take the vaccine. Um, and then there's older folks that go like, well, yeah, if it can save my life, yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, you know, my answer is just like everything else, 
pro-choice, anti-state, right? You should have the choice. I don't even know how you make that choice, right? If it's not going to be drawn on political lines, how do you decide? How are you, how can you even trust any of the reports that come out when, when the topic is so political and so far away from pure medicine? Yeah. Well, I, like, like I said, you got to find your, your, your people that you trust. Uh, and if it's the government, that's fine. If it's somebody else, that's fine. <laughs> I don't even know if you can trust the doctors, right? <laughs> it, it, but there's, there's lots of doctors and, you, and and if you don't have a doctor you trust, then, uh, you're not looking hard enough or you don't have any friends. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> well, again, but let's, uh, there's, there's the doctor that you go to, right? Like I'm, I'm a Do big you, fan. Well, it depends. Do you trust the doctor you go to? And if you don't find another doctor. Sure. But can can you find a new doctor in that short a time where you're going to be able to build that relationship with them and trust them to the point where, yeah, you know, this is, this is the one, right? Now, I'm going to do what this guy says. Normally, personally, I defer to doctors all the time because I don't want to take the time to research it. That's on me. Nor do I have the capacity to understand things at the level that they have, seeing as how it's their career, right? So the doctor goes like, Dad, you have this ailment. I'm prescribing this. Take this. I go, all right, let's do it. Because why not? What, who else am I going to go to? How many second opinions do I need to get? Um, and if I do the reason, I mean, how much time as, do I do? As the far as that goes, it, for me, the way to find out if it's a, a good doctor or not, say you have uh, some ailment and they give you something to make the symptoms go away. Uh, the next question I would ask them is, okay, I've got this drug. It'll make the symptoms go away, but how can I heal myself so that I don't need the, the drug anymore you know, well then you're never going to get there, that from a doctor okay well some there are some and there's some doctors that tell you like oh well if you change your diet then you know this will improve and then you won't need the drug anymore and i would say you don't even need a doctor to that for that because okay. that that seems but common sense change fix your diet and get some exercise and a like lot of it common, works out it seems like common sense but if if the doctor is willing to sit down with you and talk to you about things you can do to improve your life other than take drugs, that's one that I would trust. Yeah, eat healthy and get get some exercise in. That's that's all that has been the sure. bottom line from the beginning of human history. Sure. Uh, but yet they always there's always a drug, right? So okay, so would you if the doctor you go to the doctor said like I'm worried about COVID and the doctor goes just find someone who has it and get it. And if you survive, boom, you're golden. <laughs> or you can take this vaccine. <laughs> you go to another doctor. He goes, no, no, no. You don't have to worry about getting it. Just take the vaccine. Right. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think any doctor would say that. Well, but that's, that's how the, that's how you build immunity. Right. Like, uh, was it, uh, um, no, there's uh, measles parties, chicken pox parties. You get it, you sure. survive it. And you move on with life. That was a thing. That could be a thing. You could have COVID parties. Yeah, for younger people, I would say go for it. They're getting in trouble for it. I don't have mm -hmm. it as a headline, but there were there they're going to be anybody who's throwing like big parties in Los Angeles now. Um, they, once the police are called, the police are going to respond to the call, and then they're cutting off power and water in LA for for big galleries. <laughs> Not a joke, right? So if you're, if the, if the, if your medical prescription, um, is to just get it, survive and move on, the best way to get everyone to get it is to all meet up at the same place. All everyone gets it. Uh, 
you know, and but but now now you're under threat of violence from the state uh, for doing what you think is medically best in your interest or in in your medical best interest. Is what it do you do? certain? Is it certain that if you get it, you can't get it again? No, that's uh, not even certain. Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty convincing the evidence I've seen that you don't get it again. There might be some. Uh, some people out there with rare conditions uh, that they don't completely heal from it. And so their symptoms come back and, you know, the virus just, you know, never was really truly defeated. So, um, yeah, there were positive, negative, positive tests like uh, in the news, right? The guy had it like, okay, he's good. Tested negative. Didn't get it. Boom. Got it again. And the articles are out there. Well, and the tests aren't entirely reliable either. So, and uh, I would say that the uh, data is uh, complicated because if somebody with underlying conditions dies of the underlying conditions, but he has COVID-19, then it's said that he died with COVID-19 rather than the underlying condition. He may have died anyway uh, from the other conditions. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it just that happened that the coronavirus was present, but it wasn't the decisive factor. Yep. Well, your question was, is it certain? It's far from certain. Far from it. How do you know you don't have one of the underlying conditions? How do you know you're healthy enough to, like, get the immunity and stay immune indefinitely? How do you know you're healthy enough to, like, be immune from it and yet not be a transmitter of it to people who aren't? That's why you got to quarantine once you get sick. Ah, but but you quarantine, right? You go, like, I'm better now. Um, You think you're immune. But you go out and you come across someone who has it and you, you, you don't get sick again, but you, now, now you're an asymptomatic carrier, possibly. No, it doesn't work that way. But there, again, there's no certainty on the immunity part. You could think that and yet. Um, d- I'm, I'm pretty certain. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, 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 but see, the thing is, even if I'm not, it's, it still leads to the same thing of, you know, it's, it's part of life and we're going to have to face it yeah you know regardless so <laughs> well <laughs> don't, like there's no reason for me to be uh afraid or hide well maybe not but again ks seems to be a little bit more concerned and if you're sure. in close proximity to him you know who's to yeah say? and that's why i said like you know if somebody had it i would go try to get covid and then i would quarantine myself for probably three weeks because i just want to be extra sure and then i'd be like ken you know i've been quarantined for three weeks uh you know do you want to hang out with me or not you know if he says no then i'll just stay at home <laughs> <laughs> i had a I had a customer come in um to my my regular place of employment and you know she was wearing the mask whatever uh i don't personally require it nor do i really care because i've had enough people come in going do i have to wear this thing and i go yeah you do what you want man you want to take it off take it off i don't care um but she was one of the rare ones that like decided to then take it off and then actually admit that she probably had it at some point because yeah i think i had it like yeah. well you know like deep down i was like well then why would you take the mask off right like <laughs> you're the you're the you're the qualifying person that's supposed to be wearing the mask right <laughs> by by all accounts right it's to prevent others from getting it if you think you may have it right like, but no I, I still don't care and that was a few weeks ago so if i had it i it, i've spread it and it's gone now um but i never you know 
that went through my mind, but I didn't do anything about it. I'm like, oh, okay, good. You know, now, now, now we really get to put this to the test as to whether or not, you know, uh, it's, it's as transmissible, uh, or as deadly, um, or as pervasive as they claim, because that could have been a possible exposure and I'm still alive and everyone around me is still alive and, you know, on goes life. Uh, we transitioned into the COVID thing. So I know that there was a, a couple more topics that you wanted to get into KS. Uh, but I also had this headline regarding the COVID thing because Hawaii reinstates restrictions. Uh, there is no question that the virus is surging. Um, you know, and I, I don't follow, uh, Hawaii news necessarily. Um, but I always get a chuckle, uh, when your leaders do dumb shit and I just can sit here in the, in the free state of New Hampshire, go like, God, I'm so glad I moved. Um, uh, so do you want to comment on that? I don't know if I really need to get into the article so much. Uh, but you said yeah, no, no more hiking, no more beaches, surging, surging. The most, the safest place in the world is now surging uh, in COVID cases. Thoughts? And it, it strikes me that it, surging, and that means they've, they've got 31 deaths in six months. Surging. That, that they attribute to COVID-19, which as uh, we already mentioned, could be other reasons, but they happen to have COVID-19. Um, yeah, 20, 31 deaths compared to the annual loss in the same time of maybe 300 people dying of the flu or, or pneumonia. I mean, it's, it's uh, a panic out of all proportion to reality. I think it's much more appropriate when you look back on the 1968 Hong Kong flu as many people died in the country and it was barely noticed in the media because the uh, people were focused in on the Vietnam War and on Woodstock and on um, other things, and the disease was of minimal concern, and it, uh, the economy didn't suffer. And I think that the, the, the lockdown is going to result in far more deaths uh, from other causes uh, you know, than, than they realize. They, they think the economy is not essential to life, but I think the economy is essential to life. A vibrant, healthy economy makes a lot of difference, not only for this country, but even more so for all of the poorer countries around the world that are dependent on trade and commerce and and uh, migration. And all of that's being uh, jeopardized. Jeopardized. Here's a quote from the article, just because I'm skimming through it briefly here, from, from, from uh, Ige. There is no question that the virus is surging in our state, and I know that many are worried about their health. As we reopened our community, people let their guards down. It's been very disappointing. So your leader is disappointed in you, KSMC, for letting your guard down. Uh, as uh, here, That was the quote, but here's reading into the article a little bit. As, as of Thursday, this past Thursday, uh, cases in Hawaii have grown by more than 85% over the previous week, week hitting a record high of 130 new cases per day based on the seven-day moving average. So they're focused on cases. Um, you're focused on deaths. Uh, is there some middle ground to be reached? What What's the more important? Um, what's the more important number in curbing the virus and getting back to some sense of normalcy, if that's ever possible? Uh, uh, freedom. That's the amount that we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so damn it all! Just you know, reopen. Let people get sick. Let let those people not, who not, don't want not damn at all. I mean, it's 
it's empowering the people to say, hey, your life is your responsibility. If if you see a whole bunch of, uh, you know, zombies that just have to go out to the bars uh, because they're zombies and that's what zombies do. They go out to the bars. And so if, if the bars are open, then people just have to go to them. And you see those zombies and you're like, damn, they're, they're, they're so dangerous. You know, just, just hide in your house for a year. You know, that should be a very empowering thing. Like stay home, be healthy. You have that in your capability of doing that. Sure. Now, I remember early on, and there's some libertarians still making this case, I believe uh, you were one of them early on, KS, um, that says, you know, it is it is a, a non-aggression principle violation uh, to cause someone else to become sick. So do those people have the right to, to leave their homes? And don't you have the obligation uh, to to not get them sick if they operate I within think, the similar I think we already hashed that one out to death a couple of times. Oh, I know, mm-hmm. but maybe positions have changed given that you're saying that they should they should be the ones to stay home and you're free to go to the bars. No, I think my position's been the same. What about yours, KS? Yeah, I think uh, I should say, actually, I don't remember what the positions were in the past, but... Uh, um, uh, that it's an NAP violation to cause someone else to become sick. Well, it, it, you put yourself in these... Uh, zones of risk if if you don't know if somebody else has a a disease and you're you're afraid of the disease i mean that but that's not just covid-19 that's throughout history you I mean there's there's always been a possibility you might get sick by running into people so if you choose not to have those risks then you stay home um but you risk a lot you give up a lot you know all the interaction and and uh prosperity and and uh i mean you can't stay home you've got to live you know you, you uh, so people, people will do what's necessary, but there's risk always out there. And I don't think, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little confused about where the, where we're at in terms of this, this topic, you know, the non-aggression principle. Um, the, the fact that, you know, if you, if you go to, I mean, we can move on, but it's, if you go to a bar, right, you have, you have some obligation to wear your state mandated mask to prevent others from getting your germs, right? That's, that's the, what, that's the, my, my germs are the, pos- my germs are the good germs. Okay. Whatever. But that, <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. libertarian pro mask position, right? Is you, you have an obligation to not aggress and the way to not aggress with germs is to wear a mask. And if you're not wearing your mask, then you are aggressing against others and violating no. their rights. Because masks aren't 100% effective. So it's it's just, it might be a kind gesture. You might think that that's uh, a, a thing to do to make yourself more accepted. Uh, but, you know, it's it's like there, there should be some burden of proof that, you know, that you intentionally uh, got somebody sick or that, that you knew you were sick and you went out anyway, you know, with or without a mask. Um, and infected somebody. So, yeah, this. I think the responsibility is on the the person who is afraid, not not the person who's just living their life. I would generally agree, and because that's what you're saying is similar to what I was saying in March, uh, and I feel like I'm getting less pushback this time for saying it and for agreeing with you. So let's move on. 
<laughs> it was it was contentious a few months ago. Like I was I was the bad guy for for suggesting that no, if if I go to the grocery store or you see me out in public, that I have some obligation to protect you. Um, I, th- I think you added the the stipulation before that that you knew you were sick and you still went out anyway, you know, with or without a mask, and it's everybody else's responsibility to deal well, be, with it because it is because in the case of COVID. Right, the, you have to operate under the presumption that you're sick at all times. That's what I you said. Was you don't have to though. That's the insidious nature of it, though, because no, there's, there's there's been no retraction on the claim that the the virus can lay dormant um, for 14 days before you see symptoms. So you can be an asymptomatic carrier for up to 14 days at all times, right? Whether or not you've had it or not, I mean, we said that uh, if, once you get it, you can't pass it. Uh, that's your belief at this point. Um, but if if you're if you're if you could be yeah, an asymptomatic carrier at all times, you were then obligated to to act as such. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Who cares? I'm with you. <laughs> if <laughs> so, but your situation but before when you said it got contentious was when you said, "I'm you know I I I'm sick and I'm going out anyway, and everybody else should just have to deal with it." however they want. And I say, well, it's a, at least that's a dick move and I'm against dick moves. So, okay. you know, whether we should not, should, should or should not get the state involved is, is uh, okay. you know, a separate argument, but you know, if you're sick, you should stay home. Don't be a dick. Okay. But if you're asymptomatic, if you're asymptomatic, you still could be sick. Yeah. As long, I mean, if you don't know, you don't know. I mean, that's just, okay. that's just like how disease and the flu and everything else has well. always, has always spread. And so if we're going to say, well, you can't go out because, because COVID's out there, then, well, we shouldn't go out because the flu is out there because the flu is more dangerous to kids and, and no, you just wear every, every, everything, well, it's not a hundred percent effective though. So <laughs> you're still something's that same, better. Something's better than nothing. Maybe, but that, it, that that's doesn't the pushback, but it doesn't solve anything. Like the flu is still out there. You can still infect somebody. I'm with you. But the, the, the reason I said if you're sick before is because there is always a presumption that at any moment you could be sick, right? Because of the dormancy of, of, the, of the virus itself, right? There's always the presumption that you could be an asymptomatic carrier. And if, you, if you're doing, if you t- accept that, uh, that there's a 14-day dormancy and you could always be an asymptomatic carrier, then every single day you walk out your door, you have to presume that you are sick. Uh, and you could be an asymptomatic carrier and then therefore act accordingly uh, in alignment with the non-aggression principle if that's your core belief system. And libertarians it's, will argue I, that if that's the case, you always pre- wear a mask. Presuming I'm sick isn't part of my core belief system. Uh, system. Okay. Then you do you not believe that the virus has the 14-day the uh, dormancy then? Do you have, it, to be, it doesn't, do you have to be symptomatic in your it, belief system? It doesn't matter to me. How can it not? That's... That's the that's the core part of the argument. Because I don't presume that I'm sick. I presume that I'm not sick. Okay. And I think if anybody wants to counter that, well, oh, you're out in public and you don't have a mask. Well, you know, uh, arrest me, uh, find out if I'm sick or not, and then let me go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if okay. I'm sick, tell me to stay home. And if I'm not sick. Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> so, so here's what that here's what that looked like in a practical sense. You go out without a mask on, they arrest you, they take the test, they force you into quarantine for 14 days until the result or until the results come back negative, 
and then you were free to go. Mm-hmm. And then you go back out again on, you know, two weeks, two weeks from that day and they do it again. Because I mean, if, if that's what they got to do, then that's what they got to do. But my, my theory is they wouldn't do that because nobody wants to do that. And I don't know about that. You know, there, there's history of, of people round, uh, of authority rounding up the population, um, and holding them against their will. And if you're talking about quarantining, right, they've already done that, right? The, the headline was, uh, Hawaii reinstates restrictions. Uh, so what do you, what do you, what does that look like? Uh, here's key points from the article. Ige says they will reinstate inter-island travel restrictions beginning on Tuesday, ordering travelers oh, arriving in Kauai, Hawaii, Maui, and Kalawao uh, counties uh, to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, and I'm so also saying go. I'm also saying that's wrong. It's a violation of uh, rights, and it's a violation of the non-aggression principle, and and all that. So, but it's the practical application of what you just called for. Pro- prove that I'm sick. Well. We're going to, we're going to test you. You're going to sit in quarantine for 14 days until we get a negative. Right. And 14 days, we'll test you again to make sure. And then uh, you're free to go. So all, all you got to do, everyone just has to be, you know, house arrested for 14 days over and over and over again. Cause the minute you go out, you could be exposed and you're right back at square one. All right. Uh, KS, you wanted to discuss, uh, some perspective on the Beirut explosion. Bombing is a harsh term. As I understand it, the uh, Beirut explosion was of uh, this uh, fertilizer that had been confiscated from a, uh, uh, I think it was a Russian vessel, a vessel that was uh, had to stop off in Beirut because of technical problems, and they uh, uh, they confiscated the 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 explosive and uh, put it into storage um, at a port facility at a government port facility and it was badly uh, managed that there were many warnings uh, indicated that people said this is not safe storage it was uh, vulnerable and they pretty much ignored it and uh, finally a fire in the you know a nearby fire or whatever had uh, caused it to explode so there was a lot of questions coming out of that uh, explosion right was it an Israeli attack uh, was it negligence in some form or fashion by the dock workers, right? They, they tried to blame the dock workers, excuse me, but you're, you're saying that, um, the government of, of, was it, uh, the government in the area, I'm spacing on the name at the moment, um, uh, because they were the ones who confiscated it were responsible for its safekeeping and they were negligent in doing so. Yes. Okay. And so whom, to whom are they responsible at this point then, like what's, what does the make good look like, uh, when they just blew up, you know, half of Beirut, mm-hmm. the make good. Well, if there is one, in, right. How did, in, how, how do you remedy I mean, that at consider all? If, if it had been a, a private company that, uh, stored that in downtown Beirut at a port facility so close to general population and it was so vulnerable, uh, you can bet that they, and if, if a private company had caused all this injury, they would be uh, clamoring to hold them responsible. First of all, their stockholders, their their managers, the CEO, everybody would be uh, up on uh, liable charges, uh, liability charges for uh, the damage and injury, the deaths of so many people, and the dis- death and destruction of so much property. <clears throat> but because it's the government, uh, all too often governments are 
immune to that kind of accountability because politicians, once they leave office, seem to be uh, passing on responsibility to whoever came next. And uh, and so nobody is really held accountable. You know, sure. there's no accountability. I mean, they, they will, of course, uh, maybe there will be an ability to derive some compensation from taxpayers. But, uh, well... There again, taxpayers have very little connection to the actual rulers of any country. Uh, you know, uh, however they're selected uh, has very little direct connection to what taxpayers have as in, uh, power and influence over their rulers, as opposed to stockholders who can choose to either buy the stock or not buy the stock, can choose to vote for managers. And I, I contend that also that limited liability for stockholders makes it so that even stockholders aren't very concerned about the management of a company. They can just sell the stock and then absolve themselves of, of any responsibility. There was a, a case in Bhopal, India, when Union Carbide was said to have been responsible for the deaths of maybe 2,000 people, many more people in India, as a consequence of uh, bad pollutants that were, that were released from their factory there. And, um, uh, you know, for a long time, it depended on the courts, whether it was Indian courts or New York courts, how much liability the company was going to have to uh, take as compensation to the victims. And, um, uh, and unfortunately, limited liability laws stand in the way. I think that if if uh, owners were fully liable for the behavior of their company, they'd be much more careful in who they selected and how they're run and operated. But you that's also, you, 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 what the difference you would expect with personal accountability uh, with politicians, even more obscure than with uh, corporations. Right. Pre, pre-show, you had also mentioned some economic impact on the surrounding area because it's a, a poorer region. Um, well, it, the country had already been experiencing a tremendous decline in their economy. It was a lot of corruption, a lot of <clears throat> bad performance in their economy. I think they were getting only like two hours a day of electricity um, because of the poor performance of the government uh, operations there. Uh, their lira had dropped 80% of its value relative to the dollar, which meant that uh, it, it tremendously impoverished um, the people of the countryside. They couldn't buy things, uh, imports from abroad. Um, and their, their economy was in, in a free fall, as I understand it before the, the explosion hit. So do you think the explosion is going to affect, uh, you know, imports, not, ne not necessarily because the port got blown up, um, but because countries are going to be afraid, uh, to send their ships there now, like was, is, is that effect no. actually direct result of the government action? No, I think if, if there's money to be made, somebody will send a ship there. I don't think they're afraid of it happening again. Well, but if it was a Russian vessel the last time and they want to, you know, what's what's to say that the, the state isn't going to confiscate uh, the cargo again and hold it for six years on end? I don't know. No, the, the, the issue, I don't know the whole reasons why it was confiscated or the reasons why the, the ship uh, I, I don't know the, the, the background of all that. It's just that the what was confiscated was dangerously stored. That That's the issue there. Um, but as for 
you know, there are a lot of underlying conditions here for the uh, poor performance of the economy, a lot of corruption. I'd say that also I was there just a few years ago myself, and I was very impressed that this country of 4 million population had 2 million Syrian refugees uh, in their country who were fleeing the war in, in Syria. In addition, they had a million, probably 1.2 million Palestinian refugees from many years before who had fled from Palestine or Israel. And uh, they also had, interestingly, 12 million expats living abroad. Lots and lots of Lebanese had gone abroad. It had been considered a, sort of the Paris of the Middle East, okay, um, where it was a, a, a very, very prosperous uh, banking center and financial center, um, economic thriving area. But then it broke down into a lot of uh, civil war. Uh, but I'd have to say that it was a refugee, a refuge for a lot of refugees fleeing conflict and war in the in the region. Um, so it, it's it's had a lot of problems. Okay, and is is there a again a prescription uh, aside from just eliminating the state over there as well um, to to bring it back to some sort of prominence? I guess. Well, the Lebanese Institute for Market Studies, under the direction of Patrick Mardini, has done a lot to try and promote the idea of opening up uh, basic government services to competition and privatization, such as uh, uh, would bring back electric production. If you if you can't have production of electricity, for instance, you are not able to do a lot of business and commerce in the in the countryside, and. Uh, they have made lots of proposals about transportation, communication, uh, energy generation, hospital services, education. Uh, they're making these proposals, but uh, to, you know, I mean, it depends on how receptive uh, people in the countryside are going to be to free market ideas. That's what okay. my, my wife and I were promoting there when we were doing a, a circuit of talks. But, it, you know, it's it's got a lot of religious rivalries that are... Uh, uh, between the Sunni and the Shia and the Christian communities that divide up the power there, very jealously um, divide up the power, and it's not very conducive to free market solutions so far as we could tell. Uh, this may be the final question, but the, the way you phrase that, uh, what's the motivation or what's the incentive for the current ruling structure uh, to not want to have electricity? Like what what do they stand to gain from having their country and their economy in such a decimated state? Like, do they keep power that way? Or do they not care enough because they're getting more than two hours of electrical production at the palace? Like, I, I wrap my head around that one. Well, it's my understanding that uh, to a great extent, whoever has um, the authority, uh, these are, are political plums that are handed out to cronies. Okay. Uh, to be in charge of. And that, so, you know, there's favoritism and, and crony capitalism, I guess, uh, to a great extent, whoever gets the, the monopoly privilege, you could say, of providing electricity or, or garbage pickup or one thing or another. These things are fiefdoms, domains of, of uh, power, and they're jealously guarded against uh, competition. All right. Fair enough. Final thoughts? MC? No. 
All right, that'll do it for us then. Wrapping it up, uh, you guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.